and welcome to Minute 79 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Tom, Todd Liebenau of the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Hello. Hello. Great to be back. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've you know, it's a little cold here, and, uh, you know, I need your help talking to this cop. <laughs> yeah yeah wherever we may be do, do i do i need to like you know bat my eyes and you know that whole thing will that get us out of a ticket this time you Probably think it'll not. help you think it'll no help? absolutely not so <laughs> yeah i don't think so either so minute 79 begins with dell responding to the state trooper and ends with a loud horn blowing so yesterday we discussed the whole fact that dell and neil got pulled over by a state trooper a sergeant uh, played by Michael McKean, and he started questioning them about what type of vehicle are they trying to drive in. So yesterday's minute ended with, with the trooper saying, now you got no outside mirror. And Dell's response is, no, uh, we, we lost that. <laughs> and he, then he says, you have no functioning gauges. Nope, not a one. However, the radio still works. Funny as that may seem. With all this mess, the radio is the only thing that really works good. <laughs> and it's just clear as a bell. Don't ask me how. <laughs> so you know, when, I, when I hear that line, it makes me think about, um, you know, again, out in this region of the country, you know, outside Chicago and that, um, you know, you can be a long ways out from Chicago and still pick up WGN radio because it's probably one of the most powerful stations in the country. Uh, so I always, whenever I'm making that kind of drive, I always know I knew I was getting close to Chicago and you could start to pick up WGN. So I, I would bet if any station is being picked up from them on this radio, it's going to be WGN. Well, again, it depends on where they are. But but yeah, yeah. That, if anything, that's true. So, I mean, I love the way that Dell is doing his best here to try and convince the trooper that, that you know, they're they're good. They're in a safe enough car and they just have to, you know, they don't have that far to go and they're, they're just going to quickly get to where they need to get to. And I mean, Dell like chuckles along the way also while he's talking. Uh, it sometimes seems that he's chuckling, chuckling uncomfortably. And sometimes it seems as if he's, he's more comfortable with the way that he's saying it. But especially when he's describing the radio, you know, the whole idea of the radio and stuff like that. Again, it's that, it's that salesman mode, you know, he's yes. trying to put a positive spin on everything. Yes, which which he has almost throughout the entire movie. There are a few scenes which which he sort of loses it. I mean, uh, last week, or I think it was actually even two weeks ago, when he was talking to Gennaro, you know, the the guy from Jurassic Park. Uh huh. <laughs> so he, you know, when he's trying to to convince him with the watch, he doesn't do as good of a job convincing at that point. You know, yeah. the motel clerk. But uh, yeah, so then the, the the cop says, "I can't let you go ahead in this vehicle." And at this point, Neil finally, you know, wakes up from his little stupor. He's not, he's, he's been quiet for the last minute and almost minute and a half. He hasn't said anything. And he goes, you can't, what? And then the response is, nope, it's not fit for the road. This vehicle will be impounded until such time as it can be made safe for travel on state highways. I don't know if anyone can ever make this car safe for driving on the highways. Nope, nope. This is, I I was in a minor fender bender once and my whole car got totaled. So this one, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, 
and then Dell starts uh, trying to to explain the whole situation. And now one of the funny things is, is is that did you did you notice that at the beginning of this part of the conversation, Dell has two gloves on, and then towards the end, he only has one glove on. Mm, no, I didn't notice. I'm guessing there's some deleted moments there, yes, probably. There is. And you see that he's holding his wallet in his hand. So the question is, is uh, he having, does he have his wallet there because he's trying to bribe him? Or does he have his wallet there for some other reason? What, what do you think? We'll, we'll, we'll explain when we talk about the script. What is I'm going to guess it's a bribe attempt. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep everyone in suspense uh, till the end of Till we get to the script to, to try and figure out what it is in reality, whether whether Todd is correct or not, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Or he might have been trying to sell him some earrings, you know, because that could be too. That that's could be too. historical there. Yes. And then Dell tries to convince the policeman that maybe they should he should let them go. He goes, "Okay, officer, I admit it. I broke the law, and for that, I'm really sorry. I am. It'll never happen again." I, uh, you got me there, and I won't argue with you one iota. I swear. However, <laughs> if you impound our car, I'm going to be unable to get my friend here home in time for his Thanksgiving dinner. Now, do, do you really think the cop cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this no, isn't I mean, a very the, sincere. The cop way. is out working on Thanksgiving himself. You know, he doesn't get to have his dinner. So, well, it is. You know, it's it's early in the morning, so he still has time. His shift might be over by by the time uh, he has to go for you know for a late dinner or something like that. I, I don't know. You know, now what's what's great is that there's a certain point where where Dell motions for the cop to to get a little closer, and he like ducks down to 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 look at them more closely while he's saying this, and you can see like water dripping from the car. So I guess it, it, the the day is starting to heat up a little bit because uh, mm-hmm. some of the snow. Or ice has been melting and stuff like that. And then when Dell finishes his little discussion with the cop, he basically then Neil actually smiles. <laughs> he like smiles in a very uncomfortable way. Yeah, it's a it's the most awkward smile you've ever yeah. seen. Very awkward. Very, very awkward. And then the the shot ends. We don't get to see the that's it for Michael McKean. We we won't see him again in this movie. Sorry to spoil that for people who who want to know what's going to happen in the next uh, fifteen minutes that's left to the movie. But what can you, you went off to go have Thanksgiving dinner minutes. with Laverne Dude, and Shirley and Squiggy and all maybe, of them. Maybe Carmine Ragusa, the big ragu. It's true. It's true. And uh, then we get a shot of a courthouse, and the music changes to a music that's a, a very somber tone. Now, uh, Todd, do you have any idea where this uh, courthouse is? Any, any clue? <laughs> Oddly enough, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I've actually visited this location many, many times uh, because uh, this sequence was filmed in Woodstock, Illinois, which is my wife's hometown. So I have spent many a day in Woodstock, Illinois. So what can you tell us about Woodstock, Illinois before before I, I, I tell us even more? Well, I, are you talking in general of, uh, or just kind of? This well, I don't shot? know. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to know. About, I'm talking about in general, but uh, you know, I don't need yeah. to know about your in-laws if that's what you want to. Uh, I mean, unless, unless that's what you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, it's uh, you know, it's in northern Illinois. It's the county seat of McHenry County, which is you know a, a bit more rural area outside Chicago. I would 
I would personally still consider it a part of the Chicago area, but it's not the suburbs of Chicago. It's, you know, a bit more surrounded by farmland and, and things like that. Um, but uh, how far know, is it from Chicago? Do you know? I think, boy, I don't know the mileage. I want to say it's about, uh, I'm thinking 80 miles, 75, 80 miles or so from Chicago proper, something 40, like that. 41 miles. Okay. Well, it depends on, you know. Right. Okay. I mean, well, yeah, according to Wikipedia, it's 41 miles yeah. northwest See, of Chicago. And that's the thing, because like my perception of it is a little different because like I grew up 25 miles outside of the loop downtown Chicago, uh, you know, and that for me was like a straight shot west. Woodstock is more at a northwest angle. So, you know, from my house uh, where I grew up, you know, you had to take a take a road west and then take a road north. And, you know, it's it's not a straight shot, uh, so to speak. But anyway, um the you know Woodstock, um, I mean it's a it's a community that is on the smaller side, but it's grown a lot uh, in recent years, especially in the last almost thirty years since I've been away from the area. Uh, you know I think grown a little bit more into a more almost more suburban type area. But um, kind of the main claim to fame of the the community these days is that it's the place where Groundhog Day was filmed. So the town square we're going to kind of see in these next several shots, that was the town that played the role of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania in Groundhog Day. Yes, that's very true. And that, and that's why I wanted to have you on these minutes, because I know that, that you personally have been there and, and that you like talking about, you know. Yeah. Uh, you like talking yeah. about Woodstock. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a nice little town, uh, you know, so uh, I always say I, I, you know, I grew up more in the suburbs, more closer to the city. I'm the type of guy that likes to have um, people and, and activity going on around me. The, the large open spaces <laughs> are not where I'm most comfortable. Woodstock's a little bit more in the open space area, but it's it's well, you get nice... the Pennsylvania polka and stuff like that in there, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they have adopted kind of uh, their own Groundhog Day celebration now. Uh, you know, since that's kind of the the main claim to fame for the community. Um, but uh, but I mean, you know, that's not the only thing. There's there's other cool things about Woodstock. Uh, you know, there's uh, some stuff I'll, I'll I'll probably bring up here, but there's a uh, there's a lot of history in Woodstock related to uh the comic strip Dick Tracy. Yes. And that's true. uh and there's um it's also was for a while uh childhood home of Orson Welles. That is correct. That is correct. So let me see there you go. So first of all, I'll, should I quiz you on these things to see if you what you know or, oh, or just go no, in or just explain see, it. Don't do that to me because then my wife will listen and she'll say, haven't you ever learned anything? No, no. <laughs> so, did, did you know that, that, it, that it had a different name when it was first, uh, when, when they first started uh, settling there? It was I did called, not, no. It was called Centerville. Oh, no, I have heard that. In fact, I think there might even be a road or something around there that might be called Centerville Road. But, okay. okay, yeah. And it, it became the county seat on September 4th, 1843. And there was a settler that lived there named Alvin Judd, mm -hmm. who yeah, uh, that. who incorporated uh, the public the the, the, the two-acre public square where they built the the courthouse and the jail. And then uh, the following year, George Dean and Daniel Blair were were there also, 
and it, they were also part of part of this whole thing. And in 1845, another resident named Joel Johnston proposed that they, they they change the name to something a little more original. Even though it's funny that Centerville sounds a little sounds original also. <laughs> and so he proposed to call it Woodstock because he had originally grown up in Woodstock, Vermont. So it's pretty ironic that he wanted something more original and decided to base it on where he grew up. <laughs> hmm. In 1873, it was incorporated as a city, and the first mayor's name was John Wheat. Okay, now there, there are a number of historical events that, that center around Woodstock. Woodstock, first of all, there was they used to have a, a, a big jail there, the old McHenry County Courthouse and Jail, mm-hmm. and someone by the name of Eugene V. Debs. Uh, had a federal prison sentence there uh, following the 1894 Pullman labor strike in Chicago. He was actually the former president of the American Railway Union. And he was uh, he was sent to this prison. He actually ran for president five times between 1900 and 1920 as the candidate for the newly formed Social Democratic Party. So hmm. basically he was a communist. <laughs> <laughs> He was a socialist, socialist. Uh, Woodstock is also known as a typewriter city. Did you know that? A typewriter city. There mm, are no, I guess two, I haven't heard there that. There are two famous typewriter companies, the Emerson Typewriter Company and the Oliver Typewriter Company that both were started in Woodstock. And the in 1922, more than half of the world's typewriters were being built and made in Woodstock. Okay, eventually the Emerson type, Typewriter Company became the Woodstock Typewriter Company. Okay, then you mentioned the whole thing about Orson Welles. Orson Welles actually went to the Todd School for Boys when he was I remember 10. that because my That's name right. is Todd. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you named after that? No. No. Right. And apparently in 1960, someone asked where Orson Welles believed his, you know, where he called his hometown. And he always said it would be, it was Woodstock, Illinois, because mm-hmm. he had only spent four years there, but they were obviously very formative years for him. He would actually return there quite often. And in, at the age of 19, he coordinated a theater festival, which was known as the Todd Theater festival which was a six six week summer festival that they had at the woodstock uh, opera house okay which we will see, we will see in the in the film here in just a yes. moment that's right then obviously there's the plane trains and automobiles predominantly is featured here and the location manager of this movie bob hudgens actually was the one who recommended to harold ramis to use it for groundhog day Mm-hmm. Right there, it's also the basis for the fictional town of Hawkins Falls, which was a, in a 1950s uh, TV soap opera called Hawkins Falls, population 6200. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, and there was a movie called Board Silly, which was released in 2000, which they also filmed most of it here. And then there is a TV series called Lovecraft County 
Yes. By J.J. Yeah. Abrams, Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and Ben Stevenson, which also was filmed there. And apparently there's a game called the Jackbox, the Jackbox Party Pack, where they have the pictures of the, the historic square and a number of the, the various highways that go in there. So mentioning famous people besides uh, Todd's wife, you know, who comes from Woodstock. So you have a, a um, you have Jack Allen, who was a professional baseballer. Then you have Jessica Biel, who was born there. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. Something your wife doesn't want you to know. Uh, then you have Rick Fletcher and Chester Gould are both from there. They are the two people that you mentioned earlier that were, are the creators of Dick Tracy. And then uh, Johnny Stampanato, the mob associate of Mickey Cohn, who was the boyfriend of Lana Turner, who was eventually killed by Lana Turner's daughter, Cheryl Crane. He was, you know, in, in the movie, The LA Confidential, they, they discussed that. They have that whole, mm-hmm. that whole story. So yeah. he, he's also from, from Woodstock. And uh, there were a few other people, but none of them that, that really stuck out. Right. You know, a lot of famous people. And once again, Todd's wife. I know. I know there was a guy that was on America's Most Wanted that was on there once. That was the talk of the town for a few years. <laughs> well, well, do you remember what his name was? Maybe he's on this list. I don't of remember. That I just skipped over. Would have been in the the late '80s, early '90s, sometime. But I remember my wife telling me about that. How America's Most Wanted came and filmed scenes uh, in Woodstock for their spotlight on this guy. Yeah, no, I I don't see it on the list here, so don't know. So, again, we get a shot of the courthouse. We see two police cars outside. And then a tow truck goes by. And you see that it's actually pulling Dell and Neil's car, which is mm-hmm. fun to see also. You know, that they, they still have the tow truck doing doing this job there. And if I remember correctly, this shot is actually very similar to one of the first shots we see in Groundhog Day. Because um, I think that... The, I want to say the same two buildings might be in the first shot we see of Woodstock in Groundhog Day. I don't remember. But, yeah, you've got the courthouse is the bigger we'll red building. <laughs> yeah, and then the the smaller building next to it, if I remember correctly, is the uh, the jail and sheriff's home was what it originally was. Mm. Um, but they eventually repurposed it. There's been, like, art galleries and things like that in there. And... Uh, that's one of the buildings I always associate with the whole Dick Tracy celebration thing, because for several years, that building hosted a very small Dick Tracy museum uh, that was there in the town. And I remember visiting it once. It's, it was really small, only like one or two rooms. But, uh, you know, interesting to see lots of different Dick Tracy memorabilia. And such. Oh, wow. Do, do your in-laws still live there? Uh, no, they do not. Oh. Uh, don't have any... Family connections uh, still there. So no uh, good, no good vi- excuse to go to, 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 to Woodstock. Well, we did visit a few years ago, uh, just when we were in the Chicago area, and we, we headed up to, um, it's not a terribly far drive from Lake Geneva, which is a kind of popular vacation destination for people in the Chicago area. And so we went up there for a day, and, and we stopped in and, you know, showed the kids, oh, here's the house where mom grew up. Here's where she went to high school, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Cool. And you, you did a little bit of uh, Pennsylvania polkas. 
<laughs> well, yeah, we we actually we did see a concert there on the square uh, while we were there, but they did not play the Pennsylvania polka. <laughs> right, and I I also read that that they actually every year have a a free outdoor showing or a free showing of the of of Groundhog Day. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, when we were there, it, we were there just about a week before the annual showing. So I, I thought it's like, oh, if we had timed it better, that would have been great to to actually get to see. Yeah, you just didn't you didn't, you didn't uh, work that out well enough. <laughs> no, but I mean, they do have things all around the square there that are marking different locations um, from the filming of Gr Groundhog Day. Um, some of them are actually going to tie more into the next. Uh, minute we discuss next time. So right, and then uh, the the minute basically ends with Neil standing there uh, looking around. He, he seems to be scratching himself a little bit too. Not really sure what he's trying to do there. Maybe <laughs> pulling up his pants. Uh, I'm not really sure. You know, making straightening yeah. his pants. You know, he's looking around and then he hears this loud horn from the truck and starts to and, turn. And this shot where we're looking at Neil here. This is where if you look in the background, you see a few structures that show up. Uh, quite a bit in Groundhog Day because you see uh, the white bandstand that is there. Uh, it's kind of in the middle of the town square. And um, that is where you've got people celebrating in Groundhog Day and you hear that Pennsylvania polka song that so that features prominently uh, in that movie. And then if you look beyond that, you see a brick building and you can kind of make out the word opera on the sign that is above the doorway there. And that is the Woodstock Opera House that you were mentioning earlier. Oh, yeah. That is the building that plays the part of the Punxsutawney Hotel in Groundhog Day, where they, uh, you know, Bill Murray at the beginning of the film thinks he's going to stay there. He says, I don't want to stay here. This is a flea bag. And instead they take him to a bed and breakfast. So that's the building that has the tower that Bill Murray jumps off of in one of his many attempts to commit suicide in Groundhog Day, right. um, which my in-laws were actually there that day for the filming of that scene. Are they in the scene? They're not in the scene, but they, they watched it from afar. And here's the funny thing, okay? They met Bill Murray. They got their picture taken with Bill Murray, got home, and realized there was no film in the camera. This is when there was still film. So, <laughs> but but they do they do have some pictures. Um, uh, I guess it must have been on different days because they met Bill Murray one day. But one day, the day that they filmed the jumping off the tower, they did have film in the camera and they took some pictures of that stunt being performed. Oh wow, very cool. All right, you have anything else for this minute before we get into the script? I don't think so. Okay, so this minute there is a lot that ha that was cut out of the script, the original script. So I'll try to go through it relatively quickly. First of all, there's an extended conversation between the police officer and Dell, where the cop actually asks him for his license, and then Dell takes off his his gloves and reaches into his coat for his wallet. Okay, so that that re that's the answer to whether he was trying to bribe him or not. He was not. <laughs> and then after he tells after Dell hands him over his license, he goes. You'll follow me to the station, and the vehicle will be impounded until such time as is made fit for travel on Wisconsin state roads. Oh, my. Okay. And then okay. Dell says, do you realize it's Thanksgiving? And then the cop says, I got a turkey sandwich in the car, fella. 
I'm well aware you boys didn't have a little eye opener this morning, did you? <laughs> and then Dell goes, uh, no, me, I don't drink. And the top goes, you in the drug business? Dell goes, shower curtain rings, drugs? Excuse me, did I hear you correctly? This is what Neil says. When I see a vehicle of this sort with a couple of squirrely looking, squirrely looking guys like you in it, I wouldn't be serving my citizenry if I didn't ask a few questions. Then Neil goes, you said Wisconsin State Highways? The cop says, I believe that's what I said. Neil goes, uh, why, did, why did you say that? And then the cop says, because you're on a Wisconsin State Highway. Ah, uh, that explains a lot. And then Neil looks at Dell. He's puzzled. And then the cop suspiciously says, you fellas don't know where you are? <laughs> Neil goes, not exactly. Can you help us out? And the cop goes, you're about six miles outside of Okanobe. Once again, let's see if I can get this right. Okanomowic, Wisconsin. Okanomowoc. There you go. Yeah. Okanomowoc. Hakuna Matata. Now, what do you know about uh, Okanomowoc? Only that I knew some people that lived there, and in my current job, I fill orders for a hospital there regularly. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. It actually it means uh, waterfall in Potawatomi. Potawatomi. Or at least Potawatomi. that's the way, that's okay, the way we see, always said it. I don't know how to pronounce these things. You see, no, see last, yeah. last year I had trouble with – last season I had trouble pronouncing all the German things here. I just have trouble pronouncing uh, Indian – Native American terms, I guess you can say. I, I, have, I have memories as a kid of going to a park for picnics regularly in our area that at least my family pronounced as Potawatomi Park. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So it was incorporated as a town in 1844. And the first passenger train from Milwaukee uh, reached this area on December 14th, 1854, as part of the Milwaukee and Watertown Railroad Company's rapidly expanding Milwaukee and Mississippi line. It uh, In the 1870s, it became a summer resort town, and it was eventually incorporated in 1865 as a city. Okay, on October 11th, 2012, at around 3.15 p.m., a woman crashed into a local bookstore, causing major cosmetic damage to the exterior brick wall and dislodging several shelves inside. The building was evacuated for about an hour, and the store's owner described the lack of injuries as a fluke. (laughs) The woman was cited for inattentive driving. And so I have a list here of famous people that, that were born there or that live there. Most of them are Wisconsin politicians. And then I found uh, three NFL players, Glenn Derby, John Derby, and John Kaiser. I'm, I'm not a football guy, so I couldn't tell you if I know any uh, of those. I'm not either, but a couple of them sound like brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely do. And then you have a uh, baseball player named Andy Thompson that grew up there. And Jane Weedlin. Who is the oh from the Go Go's of the Go Go's? Yes, and she plays Joan of Arc in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Very good. Yes. So then the conversation continues between them, where basically the cop says that they're six miles outside of say it again, Oka, Oconomowoc, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and then Neil goes, "We overshot Chicago." Dell goes, "We did." The cop goes, you gentlemen are under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's how the scene ends. And then they show us at the courthouse. 
And then it says, Del and Neil come out, come out of the front doors. Neil's limping a little bit. Del says, how do you feel? Neil goes, oh, just great. Del goes, I've never been strip searched before. Thank God you were clean. That's probably why they didn't bother checking me out. Just chalk it up to the experience. They must have checked you pretty good. You were in there a long time. Then Neil says, <laughs> why don't you shut up? Del, Del responds, I'm sorry, pal. I really am. I, I don't know how in the hell we got so lost. I was watching those signs, signs religiously. From now on, I won't touch a car. And Neil goes, we don't have a car anymore. And then Dell says, true. I don't think there's much point in trying to fix it either. It's pretty well shot. You have insurance, right? And they they reach the point where where they they reach the curb where Dell's luggage is, the trunk and suitcases are there. And then Neil goes, that's the rental cars company problem. And Dell goes, yeah, uh, maybe not. Neil goes, what do you mean? <laughs> well, since I was using your card and I felt guilty about it, I tried to save you a few bucks. Don't say it, Dell. For your health and safety, don't say it. And then Dell goes, I, I, I didn't take out any insurance. And then we get to see the two of them in a coffee shop the, the, later in the day. Dell's holding an ice cube wrapped in a napkin to his eye. Neil shuffles over to the booth and sits down. Dell says, you know, this is twice in less than 24 hours that you've slugged me. Then Neil says, I just called my wife and you'll be happy to know she hung up on me. Oh, no. She didn't believe a word I said. So I just want to fill you in a little bit here, Todd. There, there's a whole subplot throughout this entire script that was cut where Neil's wife is upset at him and thinks that he's having an affair and that he's ah. just making up all of the stories about this guy named Dell. <laughs> well, and what you, what you just mentioned there, too, uh, you know, plays into one of the things in the next minute that's that right. is, you know, Which a question will, mark. You know? That is correct. It's no longer so a question mark if you see the, uh, yeah. And then some, some, somewhere there's this three hour plus uh, cut of unfortunately automobiles, there isn't. You know? They they claim that it that it has deteriorated and will never get. Uh, yeah. It's it's out there somewhere. It's it's hidden in a vault alongside copies of Smokey Is the Bandit. Maybe maybe. So then Del goes, "Well, I'd be happy to confirm anything you'd like with her." Uh, dinner hits the table right after the football game. Right now it's eleven fifteen. Let's pray for double overtime. I have a house full of family, a wife that's ready to kill me. Neil, I'm going to step up to this challenge. Neil says, please don't. No, I am. I'll, I'll have to have you at home before the bird's out of the oven. Dell, I'm begging you to sit down and leave the situation alone. What can happen? You get home or you don't. Isn't it worth one last shot? No, things are bad enough. Leave it alone. Neil, you've hit the rock bottom. It doesn't get much lower than, ha than having a state trooper shine a flashlight up your can. He hurries out of the, of the coffee shop. The handful of patrons in the coffee shop turn and look at Neil. They've all overheard Dell's remarks. Neil smiles meekly. One of the people in the in, in the cafe turns to him and says, "So you met our Sergeant Kudner, did you?" The patrons burst, burst into laughter. Neil shrinks in his seat. He's bent <laughs> as a willow branch in a hurricane. Happy Thanksgiving to you, stranger. <laughs> the cafe is rocking with howls of laughter. Neil standing on the corner, leaning against the mailbox, feeling his misery. He hears the gasp of air brakes. He looks down the street. So, you know, they give us a little bit more explanation as to possibly why Neil is feeling very uncomfortable in these last few seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm glad they cut this all out. I don't think it's necessary. Even the extended conversation with the state trooper, 
doesn't help except for the fact that it tells us that they're in Wisconsin. Yeah. So that that's the the state mark that was that's on the side of his uh, shirt that you uh, thought was Illinois. Yeah. Well, and that I again it it ties into something I noted when we get to the next minute that I was like, huh, it looks like they're off course. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Completely, especially since we 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 already stated that Woodstock is forty one minutes away, even though they're not in Woodstock. But yep. you know, even if they're in Wisconsin. All right. So every Monday, even though today is not Monday, every Monday we have a segment called Martin Monday, where my guests will give their top five Steve Martin performances. But since Todd wasn't able to join us this past Monday, so we're going to give him the opportunity today to give everyone his top five Steve Martin films. So All right. why don't you give us what you got? Uh, so number five, I went with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, mm-hmm. which I, I think is my favorite of the um, the Carl Reiner, Steve Martin team up era. Um, number four is Roxanne. Uh, three, my wife has come up a lot on this show and she would kill me if I didn't include Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is her favorite movie of all time. Uh, number two is going to be Plans, Trains, and Automobiles. And number one is Little Shop of Horrors. Ooh, very good. Nice, nice top five. And just to remind everybody, at the end, on the final episode, I will reveal to everybody the scores of the tally of everybody's various guesses, and I will also reveal mine. So wait, you don't have that much more to wait. You just have another three weeks to till we get there, or even maybe even a little less than three weeks from now. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a anecdote or story about something that, that happened to one of us along the way and the journey of life. So Ty, do you have another story for us? Yeah, I, a few years ago, uh, my family and I were heading from Denver back to Chicago for Christmas. And we ended up uh, encountering a bit of a snowstorm. It wasn't a huge storm, snowstorm, but it was big enough uh, outside of Des Moines. So we're driving along Interstate 80, and um, I can see ahead of me that the cars are all stopped. And I was like, oh, great. It's a snowy road, wherever. So I, I come to a stop, and I was like, this isn't good. We're sitting out in the middle of the highway, and it's snowing and that. And then suddenly I see a semi-truck go alongside me on the right which means they're driving on the shoulder because they can't stop. I was like, that's not good. And then suddenly, bam, we get hit from behind. And the airbags deployed. It's the only time I've ever been in a situation where the airbags deployed, which that was almost more shocking than than being hit. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's great. Everybody okay? And, all that. and then, bang, we get hit again. Because uh, I think someone slammed into whoever hit us from behind. And this ended up actually pushing us off the road and then and down into a bit of a, a little bit of a ditch there. Um, nobody was hurt. You know, the car was, was hurt uh, pretty bad. And Christmas presents went scattering out the back window. Um, but uh, when the authorities showed up, uh, you know, they... they uh, uh, checked us all out. You know, we actually rode in the ambulance uh, to a hotel uh, rather than to the hospital. So that was good. At least we didn't, you know, we didn't have any injuries worthy of going to a hospital. But um, so we ended up at a hotel uh, there outside of Des Moines. 
my uh, my father drove out and picked us up and took us back to Chicago the rest of the way. Uh, of course, now, though, we had uh, the challenge of getting home because we didn't have a vehicle and the insurance, you know, gave a certain amount of money to get, you know, for a return trip, but it wasn't enough to get four people on flights uh, back and, and oh, money wow. was tight and such. So we ended up taking the train and that proved to be a long, uh, difficult road as well, because uh, it was like the Sunday after Christmas. So everybody was on the train we got on the train in Chicago and we got as far out of Chicago as Aurora, Illinois, which is not that far from where I started from, where, where my parents' house was. And the train stopped, and we're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, the heat's not working on the train, and there's something, something. And we might have to go back to Chicago. And we're like, oh, no. And they got then they got it going. So we started down the road again. And then a few hours later, we end up stopping in Galesburg, Illinois, which is a little ways outside Peoria which is where I went to college and the train stops again and it's the middle of the night and they're like, we can't get this fixed. We can't keep going. Um, everybody get off the train. So we all got off the train and we crowned it in this little train station in Galesburg, Illinois. And, um, and we were waiting and waiting. They started like, you know, there would be, there were, not even buses, more like taxi cabs and things like that, that they started bringing and loading people up in to take them to someplace else to get on another train to go somewhere else, depending on they were going. And eventually there's less and less people in the train station. And me and my, my wife and my two young kids are sitting there. And we're like, what's going to happen? Or we're going to have to sleep in this little train station. And just about the time they said, all right, everybody, we're going to get back on the train and go back to Chicago. And we were like, great. And then we got on the train and then suddenly, miraculously, they fixed whatever the problem was. And A they said, Christmas hey, guess miracle. what? We're heading west, actually. <laughs> and so we all got on the train and, you know, tried to fall asleep, but couldn't. I, I, like, I fell asleep and I thought that I had slept for hours and hours. And then I woke up and we were only in Burlington, Iowa, which wasn't that far. It was the longest trip ever, but eventually... You know, a day or so late, we finally made it to Union Station in Denver, and it was good to be home. So, wow, a holiday miracle! Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. So, yeah, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you, Todd? Well, my blog is called Forgotten Films. You can find it at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com. And uh, that's also where you'll find links to my podcast, which is called The Forgotten Filmcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. All right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is also very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find our website. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on Facebook. So until tomorrow. You're fine.